Welcome to Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Paul Roberts. And I'm his wife, Carol. And we are the creators of Grow Me a Story. Our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. As your creativity cultivators, Carol and I are excited to bring you another guest here in 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. For the month of August, we sat down for some wonderful conversation with our good friend, Rachel Guzman. Rachel has had a long career as an educator at Kellogg High School, where she has shared her creative gifts with students in English and yearbook classes, and for over the last decade has been the art instructor. Paul and I enjoyed visiting with Rachel, and if you listen closely, you may hear Cleo joining in the conversation as well. Here is episode one of the Dreams and Bones interview with local artist and educator, Rachel Kuzma. Well, good morning to everyone that is out there listening. We have a very good friend of ours, uh, Rachel Kruzmark. I worked with Rachel up at Kellogg High School for, well, both of us worked with Rachel up at Kellogg High School for quite a while. She is still there. So welcome, Rachel. Good to have you here. We are going to jump right into our first question. Uh, So, Carol, take it, would you? Okay. Well, looking back at your childhood, elementary school, middle school age, are there things you can point to that shaped the creative person that you are today? <laughs> People always ask me that, and I used to think this answer was kind of a joke, but I think it's really true. I, it's, um, I was deprived of a lot of things. Not like, you know, like we weren't poor or anything like that, but I got grounded a lot for not <laughs> cleaning my room, and... And I wasn't able to go and hang out with my friends or whatever. I could go to my great grandma's house and she let me pretty much do whatever I wanted to do to make a mess as long as I cleaned it up. And then also like my mom wouldn't get me certain, buy me certain things. Um, Like one of the earliest forms of creativity that I can think of was um, I wanted the Play-Doh fun or the barber shop. Yeah. And because I liked hair, the hair, and, I liked hair yeah. and my mom said, no, you can't get that because it'll just get dirty. You won't clean it and it'll just get all crusty and <laughs> all that. And so I made my own little barber shop and I used thimbles. I went to my mom's oh. sewing room. I pulled her oh, wow. and I got these little spools. I guess they're spools. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got I made I had learned how to make those um little fuzz ball, puff balls or oh, what are they the uh-huh. yarn yeah the, the yarn mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. so I would make them at various lengths and then I would tape them on to the the spools of thread and then I would trim them and I had people <laughs> lined great. up for appointments and I had my own play-doh yeah. and, um, um so I guess that and then also um I get it was that coupled with Like I always, when I grew up, my family is really creative. I mean, my dad is a carpenter, a woodworker. Mm. Um, My mom does everything, you know, sewing, cooking. Mm. Um, She even did some painting. It was like, um, like toll painting, I think Mm -hmm. it was called. It was like all the age. And then my grandma would just, she would do sculptures, like the clay that never dried. And I guess I just thought that was normal. Like I thought everybody's (laughs) people had like a little room where there was sculpture going on. And uh, my aunt was a really good artist. She always had a big sketchbook full of all kinds of things. So 
it just I guess it's just sort of fed me in that way, mm-hmm. but really to depravity, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to create things. Right, um, right. And um, and I was a pretty quiet kid, too. I didn't really, I wasn't a, like, go outside. My mom would be like, go outside and play. And I'm like, I don't want to go outside. <laughs> um, and if I did go outside, I would just take my Barbies outside. And mm-hmm. that was all I would, would. I wasn't a running, jumping, playing mm-hmm. kind of kid at all. So mm-hmm. I just. And who was in the home? Tell us a little bit. I know some about you, but I really don't know much other than oh. uh, other than growing up in Montana. Yes, and who... grew up in NS, Montana, in a little fly fishing, ranching community. So my mom and dad, and then my brother, I have two younger brothers. Um, one of them, Adam, he was never home. He started working when he was about four years old, five years old. He would go to work on the job sites if my dad was building a house in the summer. Hmm. Um, and then my little brother, he was quite a bit younger, like five or six years younger. So um, I'm not really sure what he was doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I just spent a lot of alone time. I was the only girl. I was the oldest and I got grounded a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and did you go to school in Ennis the whole time? Yeah, um, small school, probably. I think there were about 36 students in my graduating class. Mm-hmm. We were the biggest one for a long time or if ever um then I went to college at University of Montana Western it was Western Montana College at the time and I went there on an art scholarship and I decided I when I got there I was taking art classes and I was like I don't even understand what I'm doing here and then I really got into English I wasn't quite sure um when I went to college I was first going to major in elementary education and even though I went on the art scholarship, but then I thought, well, maybe art or maybe English. I wasn't sure because I wanted to be a writer too. And I just one day decided I was helping all my friends on their pa- write their papers. And I really liked doing that. And so then I thought I should probably be an English teacher. And so I changed my route. I ended up giving out my scholarship, which I got different ones. I got a yearbook. I was a yearbook editor for um, both. I went to Montana Tech for a little bit. Okay. Um, and I was yearbook editor there, and I was yearbook editor at um, UM Western too. So mm-hmm. that's how I um, fell into this. I guess creativity has always been a part of my life. Yeah. Like I didn't even think that it was a, it was a a thing. You know, right. like uh-huh. something that you study. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor who had a PhD in creativity. Her mm. name was um, Julie Maloney, uh-huh. and she was one of the few first few people and so I kind of like oh there's a degree in that like there's a not creative writing no creativity creativity. Mm -hmm. and she was like in the early childhood program like that's kind of where they facilitated Uh her and I took um, storytelling from her that was one of the one main ones I remember that had to do with the creative realm of that yeah oh that's really cool yeah Yeah. (laughs) what else would go into that a degree in creativity that just fascinates. Yeah, yeah I, I always think of, you know, one thing that um, people are doing a lot of now, at least in the teaching field, people are getting their master's in curriculum and, and instruction. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is also a part of that, too. Mm-hmm. If I mean, that could be because you're mm-hmm. being right. very creative. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of data in, involved in that, but there's mm-hmm. still a lot of creativity. Sure. How do you yeah. connect it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Curricu- it's a curriculum, right? Right. Yeah. So, right. yeah. Oh, and also I would say as far as like what from my elementary school, um, from third grade on, we had an art specialist in our school system. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, thrived in that. And I, I remember um, her name, her name was Ms. Wishman. And it was probably 1980. 
81, 82, mm-hmm. right around there. And I thought, what is up with this Ms. thing? Because <laughs> I was really systematic with teachers yeah. and you knew, knew all the teachers mm-hmm. and who you were going to have every single year. And there was all these misses. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and then I had Miss um, Goggins for second grade. And she had banana pens. There were the banana markers. Oh, and yeah. that, I think that helped shape my creativity too because yeah. we, could, we could use those and if we wanted to. And, um, but we had to be very careful with them. But then Ms. Wishman was a librarian and an art specialist, and our teacher had told us that she yeah, she's married, but she chose to keep her her name, mm. her, and she goes by Ms. And I was like, I'm going to be a Ms. someday. <laughs> and that's when I decided. So we had an art specialist. I think we'd go to art maybe once a week, or mm. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. But I do remember when I found this color chart on the wall, and it would show you what you would mix to make what color. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to make peach or skin tone uh-huh. i mean obviously for white because that's mm-hmm. where i grew around grew right. up in a very white community and um i never i always wanted to get the peach crayon and my mom would never buy me anything more than the 24 crayon <laughs> so i didn't know how to mix them i was deprived yes and, and then i actually because my mom wouldn't let me buy this she wouldn't buy me that anything higher than a 24 i might have gotten the 36 pack once mm-hmm. must have been on sale or something but i told her that i needed that I, I, I made up a lie. This is why I got grounded all the time. Um, <laughs> I said that that in our class, and I don't remember what teacher I said, our teacher said we needed a crayon sharpener. And the oh. only way you could get the crayon sharpener is that I'm going to need that 64 color box. <laughs> and my mom said, you don't need a crayon sharpener. Just peel the paper off and use the corner. I just wanted those 64 <laughs> crayons so much. <laughs> Oh, so did you ever get the 64? No, I never <laughs> did. I never did. And I wanted to get it like later on in my life. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even use crayons anymore. <laughs> kind of a symbolic yeah. thing, uh-huh. though. Yeah. 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 Um, oh. So, yeah. And then I was surprised, you know, moving here that there there was no art specialist. I mean, we have music mm-hmm. specialists and, right. you know, PE specialists. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm impressed that they've at least had the music part. I'm sad about that yeah, um, yeah. because I really do think just having it in my life oh, yeah. every week as a part of an important part of the curriculum mm-hmm. was, I mean, I wasn't thinking that back right. then. This was an important part of the curriculum, but mm-hmm. just having that opportunity sure. um, yeah. to do different different projects. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. I was always doing some projects at home in my room you mm-hmm. know, with my eight pack of markers mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes. <laughs> Are you starting or currently working on a creative project, but don't know what to do next? Do you need someone to talk to? Someone who will give you feedback and tools to get your creativity back on track? This is what Gromia's story is all about. Paul and Carol Willem Roberts, your creativity cultivators, will help you start, continue, or complete creative projects, big or small. Visit www.gromiastory.com to learn how Paul and Carol can help. Now, back to Dreams and Bones. Well, that's a nice segue into our second question, uh, this idea of nature versus nurture. And, and to what degree do you think we are born creative with certain gifts, or to what degree are we a product of our surroundings, such as family and culture and education? What do you think? Hmm, I think it's probably more nurture 
But I think there's other things like the way that you what makes you up physically, of course, because I was thinking about this question in terms of like athleticism, mm -hmm. because I'm not really athletic. Mm -hmm. I maybe can play volleyball, but I have, you know, no coordination and and I'm OK with that. I'm good with that. But then I'm also, you know, seeing like athletes, there's, you know, if somebody who's really good, like at basketball and you just watch them and they're just like poetry in motion mm -hmm. and there's and they don't maybe they practice but it's not like they are practicing those moves yeah. you know necessarily mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that that maybe it's one third what you're what you just have with you but mm -hmm. the other and maybe one third your nurture but i also think it's like one third letting go and just mm -hmm. like being open mm -hmm. to trying new things yeah. and, and taking risks and not being afraid to fail because right. i mean what is failure anyway when it mm -hmm. comes to creativity you just mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like a I don't know it's a it's a boundary that doesn't really exist i guess mm -hmm. it's you mm -hmm. just can't be afraid yeah right, can't yeah. be afraid to find the boundary yeah. right. of what you're of what you're not capable of doing but then when people because i was thinking like if you're sometimes like i if i feel like i have a natural talent or just i'm able to to picture things or to see things in a different way just yeah. like an athlete yeah. can plan out yeah. the five next moves there's no way i could do that right but i can see things differently and like not knowing i remember i don't remember what young age but i i'm very aware of this now um where people would say it was almost like an insult in a way like oh you're so creative oh i just i hate you oh my gosh you know and i'm like well i didn't do it. i'm not doing it on purpose i'm not doing it to hurt you and there's been times you know as a teacher uh an art teacher mm -hmm. i didn't see this too much in english but students would say that to other students like oh of course yours is the best to a student who's just known to you know just yeah. automatically does it and yeah. one day i just had to do a timeout, yeah and i had to say you know do you think do you think this person is doing this to make you mad because you're coming off as being upset right. like but and if you're jealous or if you can't you just say that is really awesome work yeah. you, mm -hmm. this is outstanding i love this instead of like turning it into this negative thing mm -hmm. and so i think that you know, nurture to come with a nurture situation, you can be nurtured in the opposite way. So you're like afraid mm -hmm, to yeah. do it, especially if you're really good at something mm -hmm. and you don't like to draw attention to yourself, yeah. then that can hinder, I guess, yeah. your creativity in mm -hmm. a way. You're not mm -hmm. really nurturing it. It's di diminishing it or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I want to go back to you. You got an art scholarship. Yes. Um, how, what was that for? What were you meant oh. to do with that? What, how, where did that come from? Well, it was a Mary Baker Emmerich scholarship. I, I think that was the name of it at um, Western Montana College. And it was basically, I just had to be enrolled in an art class. And then I had to work at the gallery. So I learned okay. how to hang pieces and patch holes in walls and things like that. Um, but I just, I, I got really overwhelmed in my art class because I think I didn't, my high school teacher, I only took, I took art for a year and a half in high school and that was it. Hmm. And I took it as a freshman, ninth grade year and first semester. And then I got this boyfriend and he was taking piano class hmm. and he goes, oh, you should take piano class. And I had, you know, I go, okay, I can do that. I took, I took piano lessons for seven years. I started when I was in first grade or maybe second grade. Hmm. And I took them for seven years and I, I hardly ever practiced. I mean, there's no way that I, if you, if you saw me play, you'd be like, did you really take piano? Lessons for seven years? Like, I mean, I feel bad because my mom wasted all that money, but um, I mean, I can do it. 
Uh-huh. I don't understand it. And I to me, like, music is like, a, it's like a second language, but I'm not like super fluent in it because mm-hmm. I don't use it. But I didn't, I can't imagine, I don't rem- remember not knowing how to read music. Mm-hmm. I've never not, mm-hmm. as just like you can't remember not knowing how to read. Right. So I don't understand that as far like the, op, the, um, the negativity of the inverse or whatever, mm-hmm. having to learn music because I just learned it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I decided to take piano class and I dropped out of art then. And then my junior year, after my junior year of high school, I went to Michigan. My mom, well, first of all, I wanted to go to, I wanted to be an exchange student because I wanted to learn to speak French. And Mm -hmm. when I was like a sophomore, I said, mom, I want to be an exchange student. I want to go to Paris. And she just laughed. And and, um, so then she came up with this great idea that she would send me to Louisiana for the summer to live with my uncle because they speak French yes. down there. And that was her. That was the. Yeah. So I did that. I went and, and the next summer I got to go to Michigan and, and live with, and stay with my aunt there. And anyway, during the time when I was in Michigan, my aunt's sister-in-law was an artist representative. So she mm. would go around. She would travel around all over the Midwest. So the big Midwestern cities mm-hmm. um, and, you know, like Detroit and Des Moines yeah. and um, Columbus. I mean, went to Columbus mm. and. We would travel around and she would visit these galleries and she would say, I have artwork and she had like hand colored etchings and prints is basically what she sold. And I didn't really like look at what she had, was selling because I tried to just stay out of her way. But as she was talking to the gallery manager owner, I would walk around and I was mm. like, this is really kind of neat. And it mm-hmm. opened my eyes. We had art galleries, yeah. but they were like, you know, you know, Gary Carter was right. big. Mm. He was yeah. like a big mm-hmm. um, artist there. But the, it was all this westerny mm-hmm. cowboy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could appreciate it, but it wasn't, it didn't speak to me. Right. Like, it wasn't my yeah, style. So I got to see these different, you know, city art. And I was like, I think I want to make this kind of art, yeah. you know? Right. And so then I went back my senior year of high school and I signed up for art. And um, my art teacher kind of just, it was a multiple class. So like you had, I think not beginning, but you had like various levels and there wasn't really a curriculum. She okay. might show us a couple of things, but it was basically like a self-paced, self-taught. So I didn't really know much. Mm-hmm. I didn't know much mm-hmm. about color I'd color theory. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know anything yeah. that I teach my students now, which is probably why I, I'd make sure that they know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So when I went to college, I got really frustrated and I was like, not understanding Mm -hmm. um like the principles of design i didn't understand harmony and discord and basically Mm -hmm. he would just um give us the assignment and then he would give us examples and i didn't i looked at the examples and i didn't even understand like squares and lines and color and Mm -hmm. i didn't like i didn't know how to mix paint i didn't know how to do anything and so then i just was like i just i'm gonna do english yeah i I understand i'm not like just floundering yeah Um, Yeah. and then i taught english for maybe let's see about six or seven years and i decided i was like oh i think i want to be an art teacher and so then I started going back and taking a class mm-hmm. here and there. And mm-hmm. I did a lot of my classes at NIC. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I remember yeah. I remember when you were kind um, of making that transition. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I ended up teaching art now. Yeah. yeah. And how long have you been teaching art at Kellogg? Um, let's see. I think this will be my 10th year. Okay. 10th year. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. taught um, English 12 years before that. There it is, folks, part one of our four-part interview with Rachel Kruzmark. Carol, what new things did you learn about Rachel today? Well, I love when she talked about 
being deprived as a child and not being able to do a lot of things. And so she created her, used her imagination and created a lot of different things to keep her busy. I also found it fascinating when she was talking about she had a professor with a degree in creativity. I don't think I, I was aware that you could do that. That sounds like fun. Well, as we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members for their support and remind all of our listeners that as a subscriber, you can soon gain access to bonus material from all of our Dreams and Bones interviews. If you have found us and you're not a member but want to know more about Dreams and Bones, go to www.gromiastory.com where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Willem Roberts. Join us next Friday for part two of our interview with Rachel Kruzmark on your Dreams and Bones podcast.